I can give God a shout. Today is a victorious day.
You know what that means? He didn't just do it for me. He did it for you. And today is a day of victory where we say that Jesus got up with the power of all heaven and in earth in his hand. He is our risen king. If anything, that's something to give God a praise about. Will you give God a shout of praise in the place? Hallelujah. For those of you who are watching online or by podcast later, we want to welcome you. So grateful for all the things that are happening uh, and all the things that God is doing. I'm, I'm not going to be long because my kids have already told me, Daddy, that space jumps outside. Don't preach too long. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to try to uh, honor my kids. And, and uh, at the same time, while giving the word, these kids are excited. I know we put a lot of work into it, but it's worth it. If one soul can come to Christ, it's worth every bit. It's worth And thank you for all of those of you who volunteer, for those of you who give your all to make sure that one person, one soul will come to Christ. Those of you who are watching online, we have online family that watches some from Orange Street and Greenfield. Uh, if you missed Good Friday, you missed the treat. Amen. How many were here? It was awesome. It was, it was wonderful to see the church feel from the front to the back and the spirit of God moving heavily in the place. If you could, if you'd like to, you can stand as is our custom. If this is your first time, we want to welcome you. Everybody just give a hand clap and welcome all our first time people. Let them know that they're loved. Happy Easter to everybody. Happy Resurrection Sunday. It's going to be a little bit different today. I'm going to have three passages of scripture, but none of them are too long. So as is our custom, uh, we'll read them together. 
the first one is Luke chapter 24, verse 5 through 6. Luke 24, verses 5 through 6. What does it say? We'll say it together. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was in Galilee. Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 17 through 18. And it says, Matthew 28, starting at 17 through 18, it says this. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. First Corinthians chapter 15, um, verses 51 through 57. I want us all to read that together. Let's read it with some exuberance. You ready? Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable and shall be changed. For the perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to help me to preach this morning if you don't mind. If you're uncomfortable doing it, you don't have to. But if you'd help me preach, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, victory is mine. Give God a hand clap of praise in the place. You may be seated. Speak, Lord, your servants listen, and we'll give you the praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. It's so wonderful to see all of your beautiful and smiling faces uh, in the room, and so glad to have you. Um, Tease parents, and thankful for the, the gifts that Tease is bringing and, and that her sister's bringing, and we're so grateful to have them as a part of our family, and now her family is a part of our family. You're, you're ours now, whether you know it or not. <laughs> give them a hand. Let them know they're welcome. Here it is that we have been through Holy Week. We have gone all the way through the culmination of Holy Week. For those of you who do not know, Holy Week is one of the most holy days or holy weeks and times during the Christian calendar. For it is the time that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has finished his course. He has come from heaven to earth. He has been what the prophet called Emmanuel, God with us. It is in the Bible that God who saw a sinful human, human nature and a sinful humankind, rather than destroying us all, left his holy robe and throne in glory, wrapped himself in the flesh of a baby that was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger and he began to live according to, to the to this life for 33 years and he began to do many mighty miracles and many mighty wonders and he began to bring people to him and tell them that the kingdom of God was at hand. It is in this last week, this holy week that Christ decides that it is time to die for the sins of the world because we know that Paul has told us in Romans that we have a loving father. We have a, a loving father that loves his children 
but he is also a just judge, which means that any judge that would overlook atrocity and that would overlook sin would no longer be just. No judge would be just if he let the criminal go free. No judge would be, uh, be just if he let the murderer and the axe murderer and the killer go free. No judge would be a good judge if he let you go free. <laughs> if you had a speeding ticket and you were down at the 36th district court, although most of us would love a judge like that, he would not be a just judge at all. And because God is just, God must judge sin. For the Bible says in Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is death. Ezekiel put it this way. He says that the soul that sins shall die. In other words, that the wages of sin is death and God would have been justified to allow us to be wiped from creation from forever for we disobeyed him and him being a just, ju uh, just judge would not have been outside of his rights to wipe humanity clean. But we also not only have a just judge in God, but we have a loving father. And we know this in Romans 5 and eight, it says that God demonstrated his love that while we were yet sinners, everybody say yet sinners. That means we're still sinning. We still have things going on. We're not perfect yet. We don't have everything all together. But even while we were yet sinners and even knowing the sins that we would do, Christ died for us. <laughs> That's a wonderful thing to know that there's a story of a man who he saw his son come in. He was the judge and, and he saw his son coming in and his son was guilty of a huge fine. He, he had a DUI and he had a huge fine that he could not pay. And when they brought the son before his father. They were wondering what the father was going to do. He didn't recuse himself because he was the only judge in town. <laughs> and as he looked at his son, he looked at his son and he said, I have no choice but to sentence you and you have to pay the fine. He said, son, how do you plead? And the son, knowing that he'd been caught dead to rights, looked at his father and he said, I plead guilty. And so being a good judge, he took the gavel and he struck it on his pallet on the court. And he said, therefore, you are guilty and you should pay the fine. He said, I had to do this, son, because I'm the judge. But people didn't realize what he was doing. After he had declared the son guilty, he got up off of his judge seat and he took off his robe and he walked down the aisle and he stood beside his son. And they said, what are you doing? And he reached in his pocket and he took out his checkbook and said, I'm a just judge, but I'm also a loving father. I'm going to pay the fine for you. Case dismissed. This is what Jesus does for us. There was a song, and I love that song. A psalmist wrote it so many years ago. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within and sinking to rise no more. But then the master of the sea, he heard my despairing cry, and from the waters he lifted me. Now safe am I. It was love that lifted me, love that lifted me when nothing else would help. Love lifted me. We deserve death, but Jesus decided to get off of his royal throne, and he walked down beside us in flesh and the death that we should have died. He took his hands, and he put them on the old rugged cross, and he paid our fine, so our fine got paid, and he died in our place. Yeah. 
He died in our place because none of us would be able ever to be able to be living good enough to be able to say that we were good enough to get into heaven on our own. We can't get into heaven on our own merit. All of our righteousness, the Bible says, is but a filthy rag. So no matter how good you do, no matter how many people you help, no matter how many poor you feed, no matter how many kind words you give, your debt still has to be paid. And he has given you a way to pay that. And that is believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. And that's why we celebrate this day. Because had Jesus only died, that wouldn't have been the end. We would still be scared of death. But Jesus did not just die. Jesus showed us that he had power over death, hell, and the grave. And he rose again with all power in his hands. Now, I hear skeptics saying Bible stories are cute, Pastor, but, but, but I, I, I want to know the truth. How do you know that Jesus really died and he, he really walked the earth? Well, you can just simply go to skeptics and historians that were not Christian, and they will tell you that it is a historical fact that Jesus actually walked the earth. They have tried to disprove the Bible for millennia, but they go to the book of Luke, and they find things that Luke said were there, and they can't find them. And years later, archaeologists just find those things. You know why? Because the Bible is a faith book, but the Bible is true, and it also has historical fact, and we see in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says that Jesus rose, but not only did he rise, but there were over 500 eyewitnesses. If you've ever been to court, you can convict somebody with one eyewitness. If it was a farce, if it was not real, if it was a joke, if it was a hoax, it would purely pass away because many people would know it was a hoax. But it's hard to pull a hoax on 500 people that are sitting looking at somebody that they saw hanging on a cross. The Bible said that there were 500 eyewitnesses and they had eyewitness testimony along with Peter and Mary and the disciples. They witnessed and they saw Jesus and that is something impossible to fabricate that so many people would be able from different places because during the Passover in Jerusalem, there are Jews from everywhere. There are Jews from Asia. There are Jews from Africa. There are Jews from Israel. There are Jews from, from the Middle East and places there. It would be hard for all of those people speaking different languages to corroborate and make up a huge farce. So you know what that means? Jesus really died and Jesus really lived and Jesus really rose from the dead. A resurrection so real and powerful. How do I know that it is real and powerful? Because there was a man named Saul of Tarsus. And Saul of Tarsus spent his life trying to kill and persecute Christians. Paul thought at the time his name was Saul that he was doing the will of God by kicking in doors and killing Christians. He hated Christians. And all his life he thought he would honor God by killing Christians. But the Bible said one day on the road to Damascus Paul met somebody standing in the sky and it knocked him off his beast and he said who is this and he says I am Jesus whom thou persecute and this person who spent his time persecuting Christians ended up giving his life for the cause of Christ why 
Why would somebody desire to give their entire life for somebody that they spent their life fighting unless they had seen the risen Lord and the risen Savior and the risen Christ? Paul believed so much in what he had seen that he went from place to place. He was beaten within an inch of his life, historical record, at least four times. He was shipwrecked and left for dead. He was bitten by adders. He could have at any time begun to deny Christ and went along his way because Paul was wealthy. Paul had money. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was in the Pharisees' lot. Paul had everything in the world. What would cause somebody to give who had had everything that the world would look and call significant and give it all away because he realized something that Jesus had told his disciples what profit a man to gain the whole world but yet lose his soul what will a man give in exchange for his soul Paul, when, when he got ready to pin and to, to bring to a culmination what he believed about Christ, he said, out of all the things I know, I believe only this, that I know that Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but it is Christ that lives in me and the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me, Paul knew something that many people don't know today that Jesus is alive and well. It is not Christianity, it's not just blind faith, but Christianity is an affirmation of the truth. Christianity is such that 12 men who were not educated men, 12 men who didn't get to go to rabbi school, it was said that if you didn't go to rabbi school, you had to become a blue collar worker, you had to get a trade. Jesus did not go to the aristocracy. Jesus did not go to the elite. He went to the IRS, to the tax collectors, people like, uh, Matthew and thieves like Judas and, and blue collar workers like Peter. He went to old cousin Peter. He went and got gruff and burly men that the world would look at. Why did he do that? The Bible said that God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Had he got people that were real articulate, had he got people that were, were real versed, people would have looked at that and passed it by and said, you're just a good snake oil salesman. But he took people that were the most unlikely and took those 12 people and turned the entire world upside down. Anywhere you go in the planet, Christianity is on every continent where there is people because God himself rose from the dead and sent out 12 disciples and those are they that turned the world upside down. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't die for a lie. Huh? <laughs> I wouldn't die for somebody who, who, who I didn't really believe in. But each one of these disciples died for Jesus, saved John. And John himself, historically, was boiled in oil. They boiled John in oil. And it is in Roman record. And then they poisoned John. And when they could not kill him, they got frustrated and sent him over to Patmos because he couldn't be killed until God wanted him to leave. But the rest of the disciples, if you study the record, died horrible deaths. Matthew in India stabbed through the heart with a sword. James thrown off the top of the temple. All of them, why would they give their lives for something if they knew it was a lie? 
They gave their lives and they did not recant and they did not turn back because they knew what they had seen. They knew they had seen them take Jesus down from the cross. They knew that, the, that, that all of a sudden that tomb was covered. They knew that there were Roman guards there and there was a Roman seal that, that everybody was scared to touch and nobody could go in and steal the body because there was a Roman seal there and anybody that came near would be put to death that nobody could have stolen. It's the, the equivalent of putting the secret service at the door but somehow they were trying to keep Jesus on the inside but this is the problem. They were trying to keep him from the outside in but Jesus walked from the inside out and he came out to save our souls. <laughs> they didn't lock the door from the inside, Elazar. And Jesus walked out. And when they came to look for Jesus, that's the first scripture in our text. They were looking for the body of Jesus. They had not realized what he said. And I love what the angel said. They said, why seek ye the living among the dead? <laughs> you came looking for Jesus at a tomb, but he's not here. He is risen. If I was going to preach it, me and Turhan and I were talking yesterday, and one day I may preach a sermon called Looking for God in All the Wrong Places. Many times we're looking for God in places and we cannot find them. Many people try to find God in dead situations by how much money they make, or by how much education they have, about what type of house they live in, about their social, social status. They are looking for fulfillment and peace and all the wrong places but if that's you today I'll ask you just like the angel why seek you the living among the dead you won't find fulfillment in your 401k or your IRA. You won't find fulfillment in your brokerage account or the title they put on your wall. You won't find you won't find fulfillment in the shingles of your degree. You won't find fulfillment in the certifications and the skills that you have. You won't even find fulfillment in the cars that you drive and the houses that you live in because one day you're going to leave and they're still going to be here. The only thing you want to invest in is something that's going to go from this life to the next and when I was young they used to say this brother Ernie they said I'm living this life just to live again and because Jesus rose I have hope because I know that this is not the end this is not the end that's what's declared our power and when Jesus got ready to go back he made a declaration he's telling them all the way from Genesis remember when we did the book of Genesis in Genesis 3:15, right after the fall God gives a prophecy Genesis 3:15, he says and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed and you will strike his heel but he will crush your head and one day on a hill called Calvary I heard Jesus say it is finished and that was him crushing the head of the serpent and he rose with all power in his hands and therefore he made the declaration that you read he said all power in heaven and earth is given to me are you dealing with depression are you dealing with cynicism are you dealing with doubt and unbelief are you dealing with hurt and pain of your past are you dealing with church hurt are you dealing with all sorts of things well I know a God who is all powerful and whatever you need he's able to give you 
Why? Because he didn't use the phrase some. He said, all power in heaven and in earth is in my hand. I don't have power to save you, but I know somebody who does. And the Bible says he is mighty to save. Hallelujah. Twelve men knowingly went to their deaths. Why? Because they knew that they were no longer afraid of death because they had seen that death wasn't the end. That death was only the beginning. When I was little, my, my, one of my mama's pastors used to say, I'm so glad. Many people say it was good to be in the land of the living, but he was a funeral home director, so he would say it this way. He said, it's good to be in the land of the dying on my way to the land of the living. <laughs> because one day, if I believe that Jesus died for my sins, I believe that I will rise again with him and I will live with him forever. That is the best investment that you could ever make. I hear the word of the Lord saying, the day that you hear my voice, harden not your heart. Give your life to me and you will live with me forever. These mere facts alone let us know that the resurrection was more than just history. But it is historical fact. More important is that the resurrection is pivotal because if Jesus rose like he said, are some things that we can count on. If Jesus rose like he said and what he said is true, that means that he is God in the flesh. Meaning that Paul calls him the fullness of the Godhead bodily, which means that if I put my trust in him, I'm putting my trust in God Almighty. Number two, he says that if Jesus rose from the dead and this is true, this means that all who believe in him will have their sins forgiven. I don't care if you were sinning and arguing on the way here this morning. I don't know if you, this is the first time in church in a while and, and, and you don't know how to act in church and you came saying, I'm not going to believe anything that old little short preacher said. That's fine. But Jesus still died for you. And if he is God and he rose just like he said, he has life that he wants to give you and you are not here by accident. You are here not by your choice. You are here because he wants you here and he has something that he wants you to hear that the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life. Not only is that a comforting thought, but if Jesus rose from the dead, that means right now he's interceding for me to the Father. Access had been cut off from us from God because of our sin. But when the Father looks at us, he now looks at us through blood-stained glasses. Most times we would say, why would I look through blood? I try to get blood out. But David says it this way. He says, though my sins be as scarlet, thou will make them white as snow. The blood of Jesus is the only blood that can touch something and make it whiter than it was before it touched it. Not of your own accord. The resurrection is important because of the state of mankind. A savior was needed. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 14. I'm going to start reading it. If you want to read it with me, you can. Because it's good to read it for yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 14. What does it say? Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sin 
sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam and who was a type of the one who was to come. In other words, he said, through Adam's sin, entered the world and through uh, the second Adam Jesus Christ sin is going to leave verse 7 pull up verse 17 in that same scripture verse 17 it says this for if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ therefore as one trespass led to condemnation for all men so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous <clears throat> counterintuitive to our world today where we have to earn everything you can't earn salvation you simply have to believe Although the son of Adam, it looks like, was defeated and destined for destruction, Jesus, through the shedding of the blood, brought us victory. And there are just a few things I want to remind you of. Number, uh, actually, only two today. I'm going to give you two things. I want you to declare it with me. Say, repeat after me. Christ, Christ has given us victory, victory. Over, death. over death. Say it one more time. Christ, Christ. has given us victory over death because had he not risen this would be the end for us when they lay our body over here <clears throat> that would be it <laughs> whatever you did in between the dashes it didn't matter when you were born or when you were gone whatever you did between the dashes would be done and you would be done you would be finished that's why a lot of people fear death because they don't know what's on the other side and fear comes from people who do not know why do Christians not fear death Christians not running to die but they don't fear death why because we know what we believe and we know what's on the other side is greater than what's on this side <laughs> right now one of the former pastors of this church He's in the process of going home to being with the Lord. And I got so much joy in talking with him for a couple of weeks because he knows he's going home to be with the Lord. And most people you would think would be, woe is me. But when I talked on the phone with him, you know what, Brother Dad? He was excited. When I talked to him, he said, I asked him, how you doing, Brother Pentecost? He said, well, my body's okay. I don't feel too good. But guess what? I said, what's that? He said, it won't be long and I'll get to be home with Jesus. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Everything that has been in this world has tasted death. Death is a constant reminder of the consequence of mankind abandoning God. Mankind made a conscious choice to act independently apart from the instructions of the instructions of the giver of life. And the result was catastrophic. So if you look in Genesis 5 and you go through our genealogies in, in Genesis 5, you know the boring stuff that nobody likes to read. There are some things in there that are very impactful. It will say, Adam lived so long and then he died. <laughs> Enoch lived so long and then he died. <laughs> 
Seth lived so and so many years and he died. He's giving a stage for you to see that the further and further away you get from God, there was nothing left but death. But because Jesus died and he is the firstborn from the dead, he has power not just to raise himself, but he has power to raise us as well. That's why Paul said, and now that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives on the inside of you and it will quicken or make alive your mortal body that Christ has given us victory over death. Some people are hurting from loved ones leaving. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to weep. But just remember, like Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, don't weep like those who have no hope. Weep because you miss them. But after a while, that weeping should turn to joy because you know every day that lives, you get closer and closer to leaving this earth. And if they love Jesus, one day you'll see them again. Christ has given us victory over death. I submit to you this morning that what Jesus did on that cross broke the back of death. It fizzled the finality of death because of what Jesus Christ has done. Death is no longer the end. It is the beginning. That's why Paul taunts death. He's taunting death. Most of us are scared of death. We don't play with death. We see a snake. Uh, we, 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 we get on the, on the way. I drive down 696 and my wife is from Houston. And Houston drivers are aggressive. But so are Detroit drivers. And sometimes... They're honking horn, and I said, don't do that. These people are crazy. Somebody will kill us. We're not trying to die today. Just, just let them go. Let them go about their business. Why? Because we're, we don't want to die today. But if we were, we were ready. We don't try to play and talk with death. We're not like the people that put their heads in the lion's mouth. But this is what Paul is saying. Death, I'm no longer afraid of you. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? <laughs> He's trash talking. Like he's on the NBA court. <laughs> oh, death, where is your sting? Death is no longer something to be feared. The resurrection of Christ is the fulfillment of that. Sin meant people died without hope, but Grave announces that there is hope and that we will beat our king in the hair. But I also hear somebody saying, yeah, pastor, that's good. That's good for the sweet by and by. But I live in the not so sweet now and now. What do you want me to do till I get to heaven? Do you just want me to live and get to heaven? Not only did Christ give us victory over death, but I want you to declare this with me. Everybody say Christ, Christ. gave us victory over life. <laughs> John chapter 16, verse 33, and we're out of here today. John chapter 16, verse 33. If they have it, they can put it on the screen and you can read it with me. Jesus is getting ready to go to his cross and he let his disciples know something <clears throat> important. He knows he's about to go to the cross. The next few days of their life is going to be very, very, very daunting. And he says this, he says, read it with me. What does it say? I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and tribulations. This is a different version. I'll read with you. Y'all ready? I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. As Jesus is about to go to the, the cross, he's comforting his disciples and letting them know that things are going to get bad really quickly for them. 
that's not the normal Christianity that people preach that they, they just sometimes gloss over those things, just sign on the dotted line and, and everything's going to be great. But that's not real, true Christianity. Jesus tells them it's going to get tough for you. And he, he lets them know this, that sometimes life is going to be hard. Brother Denny, I'm a fan of football. I said that because Brother Denny hates football. But, we, but he sees me and Victor looking at football when we're out to eat. He says, turn the TV off. And we're like, no, leave the TV alone. But you know what I like? I like comeback teams. I don't like teams that can only win when they're ahead in the score. Because when they get behind, they're almost surely to lose. I like teams that don't do that good pass earning in the first half. Why do I like teams that don't do well in the first half of the game? Because they're used to playing from behind. <laughs> and although the chips look like they're down, eventually they say, I've been here before and I know that I'm going to win. Jesus is telling his disciples, in life sometimes the chips are going to be down. And it's going to seem like you are playing from behind. But just know this, I've already won the game. I've already overcome. So you don't have to worry about what the scoreboard is going to say. Victory is already yours because I'm going to pay the price for you. That's why you can have peace with God and peace within. And you can do this. You can declare right now. Everybody say, victory is mine. It's not mine because you earned it. It's yours because Jesus gave it to you. I can't promise you exemption from trials for following Christ. I can't promise you exemption from loss and pain. I can't promise you a candy cane gospel that just does not really exist in real life. I can't promise you that every day will be a bright and sunny day, especially if you live in Michigan. You'll be happy if you get two weeks of sun. I can't promise you that every day will be sunny. But what I can promise you is if you will make the decision today to give Jesus your hand, he will give you peace through the storms of life. Take heart, he says, for I have overcome the world, not because you've been the perfect person, not because you live a mistake-free life, not because you haven't faltered, but simply because you have placed your faith in Christ Jesus. Victory is yours, and you don't have to be afraid of death. Sirhan, you can go ahead. I want today to give a plea to you. Some of us have known Jesus for a very long time. Yes. Some of us have known him, but we're not as acquainted with him as we used to be. Some of us, if we'll be honest, we don't really understand or know if we're acquainted with him at all. But if you do not yet have victory, the victory of which I speak, and you feel a nudge in your heart right now, and there's something moving you, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And what better thank you can you give Jesus than to make today a decision to give him your heart for the rest of your life? 
If you will make this decision today to give Jesus your heart, today will be the first day of the rest of your life. And you don't have to worry about them rolling you all the way around here and laying out here. One day they will roll my body out here and plenty of people will say all sorts of things over me. Some of them will say good and some people will say I'm glad he's dead. But at the end of the day, what I did now determines what happens for the rest of my life and I want to tell you this today I know somebody in this room hears God and you're gripping your seat saying I'm not going to do it today I'm not ready to change but you might not get tomorrow old age doesn't indicate that you get to see it you may never get to be old but if you give Jesus your heart you can live again victory can be yours Now, as our prayer team comes, I want you to ask you something. I'm 100% sure that Jesus rose. I'm 100% sure that when I die, I will see him again. But the question is, are you? Because I'm not selfish, Pat. I, I don't want to go by myself. If I have to, I will. I'm not going to stay behind, behind for you. But I want you to know what I know. I want you to believe how I believe. I want you to put your faith in Christ. And you don't have to jump mountains. You don't have to do a whole bunch of things to earn his love. The Bible simply said, for they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What does that mean? It simply means to say, Lord, I give up. I'm tired of trying to do it my way. I want you to save me. You don't have to give a speech. You don't have to repeat after me. You can simply right now, where you sit, give Jesus your heart, and you get to be with him forever. Amen. Is there anybody who's willing to give Jesus your heart today? Will you slip your hand up? Somebody give a hand clap of praise. We still got time. Guys, come on down here. Let me love on you. If you don't mind. Wayne said, I ain't coming. You make me come. I ain't coming. <laughs> Is there anybody else that wants to come on up, Pastor Ernie, my pastors and, and my prayer team? Is there anybody else while we're here that's not sure? What better presence can you give to Jesus to say, I believe you and I trust in you and I want to give you my life. It doesn't matter if you grew up in church and it's been a long time since you've been in church. He doesn't care. He's not like us. He doesn't hold those things against you. It doesn't matter if you've been angry with him, if you didn't understand. He doesn't hold those things against you. He doesn't care. He loves you so much. If there's anybody else, raise your hand to heaven. If you can't come, we'll come get you. But the Bible says that the angels in heaven resort, they rejoice when a soul comes to heaven. Guys, y'all don't know this, but this is my cousin, and she's giving her life to Jesus. You know. <laughs> she doesn't know this, but when I came here, 
The first person I told that I was coming to Michigan was my aunt. And when I was talking to my aunt in the hospital room, as she was getting ready to die, she said, I hope I raised them good enough to they get along. Her and her brother, she was speaking about. But she said, make sure you take care of them when I'm gone. And it's been my goal to get her in this seat. To give her life to Jesus. It's been my goal to get him in this seat. It's been my goal to get many people in this seat to give their life to Christ. Three people this week are giving their life and deciding that they're going to be different. To give your life to Christ is not for the faint of heart. It's not for the weak of heart. It's for those who say, I'm going to make a bold stand that I want different. I want my life to be better than it was. That God, you can make more out of my life. Guys, I'm not going to make a big, long, long thing of it. You've done your professional faith by coming here. But I'm going to ask you a question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe he died for your sins? Are you willing to follow him for the rest of your life? Are you willing to abandon your old way and follow his? That's it. <laughs> the Bible says that you're saved. <laughs> Everybody give God a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've been changed.